Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Once again, our sermon series is entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. It's a study of the fruit of the Spirit. The title describes the difficulties that we face sometimes, along with the question, how are we going to respond to those difficulties? So there's times in our life that all of a sudden, this week, you might have faced a difficulty. You might have faced a a challenge. Maybe you and your spouse have been having some struggles, and today you come and you're going like, how is this all going to work out? Maybe you were at work and your boss made a comment, and you're thinking, what is that comment? Have anybody ever said that? What does that comment mean? Does, what, what, what did he say or what did she say? Does that mean I have a job next week? And you start allowing all these things in your mind to become greater difficulties. And, and how we respond to those difficulties are important in life. Because I believe that God wants us to, dis, to respond to the difficulties of life in faith. There's two options that you can choose. And they're both actually belief systems. You can either choose to respond in faith or you can choose to respond in fear. They're both a belief system. You believe in fear. So, for example, I'm, I'm trying, this is not even in my notes. I don't know why I'm going here, but that's okay. All of a sudden, your boss makes a comment. Now, you can respond to that comment, but with a belief system, man, what did he or she mean? Oh, my goodness. Am I going to have a job next week? And you can perpetuate that thought over and over again. It's really a belief system, but it's based on fear. The other direction that you can do is you can respond to a comment in faith, going, God, I don't know what that means, but I know that you're in control. I'm going to believe for the best. And it's all of a sudden you're perpetuating a belief system that's responding in faith. God wants us to respond in faith. He does not want us to respond in fear. The Apostle Paul shares a list of qualities regarding the fruit of the Spirit that should be produced in our life. It's it's really the title scripture that we've been sharing over the last several weeks. Next week is our last uh, message in this series, When Life Gives You Lemons. But let me share from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Paul writes these words, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It's the Holy Spirit that produces these qualities in our life. Today we are sharing on the topic of faithfulness. And before I get started, I want to lead us into prayer. Because I believe that there's something special as we enter. How many believe that God's going to do something good today? Amen. Come on, there's faith. There's faith. I believe God's going to have something special for each and every one of us today. Otherwise, there's no reason for me to prepare and to study and to pray unless God's going to do something special in our lives. And I want you to have the faith to receive this message today, and so I want to begin in prayer. So Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, God, today that your word will penetrate our hearts and our lives. I pray against any kind of distraction of our mind that would take us away from the focus of what you want to Uh, us to receive today. I pray, God, that today we will be changed more and more like you. I pray, God, that we will walk away knowing you a little bit better and understanding faithfulness a lot better. 
I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Today, the topic that we're discussing is a quality that many people place on the shelf or ignore when facing temptations and difficulties. That quality is faithfulness. Faithfulness or the lack of faithfulness can directly influence the course of your life. Faithfulness is one of the greatest qualities that you can possess, but it's a quality in our life that is becoming more and more scarce in society. Let me share some examples of what I mean. Because I think sometimes we need the examples of understanding of where, what's happening with faithfulness. Because sometimes we just hear it from the pastor's mouth or from message, but how do we apply it? Let me give some examples. Unfaithfulness has creeped into our society in the sense of godly values. In today's society, many people struggle with godly values. Society has a tendency to justify everything that is not godly. Instead of choosing to be faithful to godly values, what we do is we adjust godly values to our lifestyle. I see it happening all the time. I see it all the time. Where all of a sudden we turn, well, the Bible says that, but you know what? I believe this is going to be okay with God. We don't stand on God's truth. We don't stand on his word. And we adjust godly values to fit our lifestyle. The Israelites in the Old Testament struggled with godly values. They struggled with being faithful to the one true God. They always wanted something more than what God was offering. They wanted immediate gratification. Even when it came from manna from heaven, they wanted something more. Even when they rescued from Egypt, from the body of Egypt, they wanted to go back to Egypt because they were missing the pleasures of the life that they had in Egypt, even though they were in bondage. They always wanted more. They were never satisfied with the faithfulness of God in their life. And so what they do is they start trying to adjust the things to fit their lifestyle, to fit their thinking. And that's not what God calls us to do. Their lack of faithfulness would change the course and direction of their life. In fact, almost all of the Israelites that were set free from the bondage of Egypt did not enter into the promised land. Most of them died before they entered into the promised land. And God ushered in the next generation into the promised land. Second area where society lacks faithfulness is in relationships. Today's culture struggles in the area of being faithful in relationships. And I, I'm just going to do a disclaimer right now. I am not meaning to step on any toes. If you are here today and you're going through a relationship difficulty, and you go, man, this pastor is stepping on my toes, I'm here to declare to you today that you can start today with faithfulness. So it doesn't matter what has happened in your past. It doesn't matter all the, all the stuff. We all have a past, okay? But today, I can start with faithfulness. Today's culture struggles in the area of being faithful, especially in the area of marriage. The idea of marriage is an antiquated idea that is no longer relevant in today's society. It was a, it was a value that grandma and grandpa practice. And it worked great for them. But it's not practical for me today. Why would I want to limit my options in relationships? I like having new partners and not having to feel obligated to one person. I'm just being real. That's what's out there in today's society. What? You want to settle down with one person? What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? 
you know, really, you really need to experiment. You need to have sex because how do you know you're even going to like that person in bed? I mean, like marriage is all about the bed. I'm just getting real. Sorry. And that's why marriage fails so many times. Why do I want to be obligated to one person? That thinking builds a life filled with broken relationships and hurts. It creates a life that has no loyalty and no real community. It's self-serving that in the end it leads to self. It ends with self. There's no one else but self. Marriage and family was designed by God to bring fulfillment and joy into our lives. And instead, guess what's happened? The enemy has taken that and has perverted it into a horrible situation where now it's conflict and, and, and distrust and all these other things. And so people step away from marriage. They don't want to be, have a part of marriage because we didn't stay true to the godly values that God put into our life with faithfulness where all of a sudden it would look like, man, I want that someday for my life. Instead, man, I don't want to touch that. Because of unfaithfulness, it ushered in a marriage that doesn't look appealing. But I'm here to declare to you today that I had a mom and a dad that had a marriage that I loved and they were grateful. And I was like, I want to be like my mom and dad. I had grandparents that had a marriage that was fulfilled. Did they have problems? Sure they did. But one of the great things about them was that they were able to work through those issues. They became stronger. They were strong people. They were not weak. You see, it's your faithfulness in your relationships that builds long-lasting bonds that become the foundation of your future. I'll say it again. It's the faithfulness of your relationships today that builds long-lasting bonds that become the foundation for your future. The joys experienced later in life are directly connected to the faithfulness that you practice throughout your life. It doesn't matter, again, I'm going to say this, it doesn't matter what today looks like. For some of you, I want you to start today in faithfulness. Both my grandparents were not saved early on, but one of them, both my grandfathers, made a choice and drew a line in the sand and said, today starts faithfulness. And they changed generation to generation to generation because of the faithfulness that they were willing to stand on, their faithfulness to God. And you can do the same. Someone has to start it. Think about it. You could be the start of something great for your future and for your children's future and for your great-grandchildren's future. The third thing I want to mention about unfaithfulness is to the church. I was talking with a pastor the other day, and he mentioned that there was a recent study. Again, disclaimer, I'm not speaking to any single one of you, okay? If you're here today, you're safe, okay? There you go. But I was having, I was having coffee with a pastor this week, and we were talking. He, just start, he started sharing with me about a new study that was just completed about church attendance. And he says that this new study has discovered that now a regular attendee of a church is anyone who attends church at least one time out of six weeks. That's a regular attender. And I thought, are you kidding me? And he shared, he said with me, you know what we discovered? You just can't fight it. There's too many other options in life that they're going to have. You got to grab them that one every six weeks. I thought, oh my goodness. 
But I've been noticing the frequency of attending church has drastically dropped in our society over the last several years. But this also seems to be an indication of another problem. Studies are finding that community has become less of a priority in people's lives. Success, fame, and image have taken a greater priority in their life. Yet those same studies have discovered that those people who are living in community are happier than those who are not. But we're running away from community. We have too many distractions, too many other things. As a Christian, there's a huge benefit in having community with one another. Listen to this, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Think about that. Isn't that what we've been doing the last several weeks? In, in our, our first series that we did several weeks ago, Body Parts and, and, and the Gifts of the Spirit, and now when life gives you lemons, the fruit of the Spirit, isn't what, what we're trying to do is to encourage each and every one of us to be, you know, to good works? Just throwing it out there. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Guess what? They were having the same problem back in the New Testament. It's not a new issue. They were having, there were people neglecting getting together. The author writes, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Even the New, even the New Testament church had its struggles. But look at the benefits that it lists. The benefit of coming together and meeting in fellowship one, with one another is to motivate each other. It's to encourage each other. This week I met with some guys and we talked about kindness. So last week I talked about kindness and goodness. This week when we met with some guys, we talked about how do we put that kindness into action. I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest meetings and all of a sudden, there was ideas that were coming out. They, they were texting, Pastor Tom, I just came. And man, I'm putting kindness into action. Guess what? We're putting, we're not just saying things. We're putting action behind the words. I heard this week that the youth had like 45 people in the youth ministry this week. Guess what? There's a community building in youth. If you're not part of youth, you need to get a part of youth. There's a community, not you. It's limited to the age group, Okay. I see all you, you older people. Yeah, I'm tired of Pastor Tom. I'm going down to youth ministries, man. I'm going to build community there. But there's a community that's happening. They're spurring one, and on, one another on to good works. They're loving one another. They're praying with one, one another. There's something that's happening that's exciting. Yesterday, a bunch of us got together and came to the church. It was a work day for some of you who forgot and slept in. We were here at 8 o'clock in the morning. We were clearing out the upstairs rooms and taking all the rooms because we got a school that's going to be coming in here and meeting for about a year, and so we're getting those rooms ready. We, we said goodbye to the gazebo out, in, out in the, and some of you guys didn't even notice that. Some of you did. We said goodbye to the gazebo because that's going to be an area where the students can play pickleball, and we're going to put some new stuff out there, and it's going to be exciting, and, and it's okay for change. It was really hard when we wanted to do something else. It was, we tried to move that gazebo. It's just too heavy to move. So we decided to put something that was more temporary. But what it was funny was last yesterday, from 8 a.m. to about 11.15, I was tired. I was hot. I'm sore today. I know all the other ones are sore, but I'm sore today. But when I left yesterday, I went home encouraged. You know why? 
because I was in the midst of community. I was spending time with other, and thank you, young guys. Young guys, raise your hand who were here yesterday. Yeah, you weren't here yesterday, Roscoe. Thank you. Tony, okay, Tony, you're a young guy. Raise your hand. Well, some of us older guys were very grateful for the youth when they came out because that was a big job, and, and uh, they helped tear that down. But community is to benefit one another. I was reading a story the other day about a man who went out and married a woman, and then they ended up having three children together. It sounds like an ordinary story, except it's not an ordinary story. It's a, it's a very um, amazing story, to be honest with you, because the man married a prostitute. Now get this. The husband knew she was a prostitute when he married her, but he married her anyways because he loved her. Now you would think that this woman would give up prostitution for this wonderful man who loves her. But she was unwilling to make that step. She was unwilling to make that uh, sacrifice. She wanted to stay in the lifestyle that she was in and continue to sell her body to other men. It was so bad that her husband didn't even know if their children were theirs or not. Think about that one. What's really amazing is this woman was so deep into prostitution that at one point in his life, he ends up having to go and pay for and buy her out of that slave industry, that sex industry. Keep him his wife. It's a crazy story of extraordinary faithfulness on the part of the husband and extreme unfaithfulness on part of the woman. If you're interested in reading the story, you can find it at Walmart. It's called The Bible. Had some of you guys fooled. It's the story of Hosea and Gomer. Now, I don't know. Gomer doesn't seem like a very sexy name to me, but I guess back in the Bible times it was. That's her name. Don't make fun of her, okay? If you're Gomer here, I'm sorry. Send me an email later on. Anyhow, it's the story of Hosea and his wife, Gomer. Hosea was not just any man. Hosea was a prophet of God. A little background to the story is when Hosea began his ministry as a prophet of God, it was a good time in the society of Israel at that point. Hosea's generation knew nothing about war. The only thing they knew about war was what they read in the history books. There had been peace for many years. The economy was phenomenal in that society of the day. The economy was going well. People weren't suffering. They were going, things were going good. It was prosperous. But all of a sudden, in Hosea chapter 5, you see there's a switch that starts to take place. And they begin, things begin to change for Israel, and they found themselves in war. And by the end of the book of Hosea, all of a sudden, Israel has been defeated. Hosea, the prophet of God, was bringing the warning to the people that they were spiritually digressing. He was warning them where they were heading, but they ignored all of his warnings. You see, back in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Bible They had prophets that would come and share to the people about what God was going to do, what God was looking for. And most of the time in the Old Testament, there was one prophecy. There was more, but this was the main thing. Repent and turn to God. Hosea was continually bringing out that warning. Hosea knew what was going to take place because it was revealed to him by God already. You see, God spoke to Hosea to go 
and marry a prostitute. True story. I'm not making this stuff up. Bible's really interesting stuff. Hosea, the prophet of God, was told by God, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. I want it to be an illustration of how the nation of Israel has acted like a prostitute in their relationship with me. Boy, that hits me. To think that God, the Father, would give an illustration like this just to reveal to his people that he so dearly loves. This is what it feels like for me. It feels like what Hosea must feel like when he loves this woman, and yet she keeps on going out and prostituting herself with all these other men. That's what it feels like me when all of a sudden, I've given so much, I love you so much, but you keep on going out and serving other gods. You choose to serve other things. You choose to serve things that are made with your hands. You choose to serve things that can't even speak back to you. You choose to serve things that have no possibility of miracles. And here I am who delivered you out of Egypt, who provided the manna, and you forget about me already, and you choose to go serve other things that you love greater than me. He's using this as an illustration. The story of Hosea and Gomer is a love story about a man and his wife who loved his wife and remained faithful to her, even though she did not remain faithful to him. For Gomer, her unfaithfulness was caused by her desire for worldly possessions over her faithfulness to her husband. It happens in today's society as well. If you don't think, trust me, it does. I know. I really do. Hosea 2.5 says, Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing and wool and linen and for olive oils and drinks. These were the luxury items of the day. And she was willing to give herself away so that she could have these items in her life. Gomer got caught up in possessions over her faithfulness to her husband. It's a mere image of what happens with Israelites when they got caught up with their possessions and the success of the world. They let their faithfulness to God all of a sudden went away. Hosea chapter 4 verses 1 through 2 shares a prophecy from the Lord that describes the current state of the people. He says, hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying there is no faithfulness, no kindness. We talked about kindness last week. No faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. Do we see that in our land today? I'm not trying to be a downer, okay, but just beware. But we see it. We can't deny what we're not seeing, okay? I'm just being honest. We see it in our society today. What was the charge of God? It was faithlessness. It was a lack of faithfulness. They abandoned the one who loved them unconditionally, and they turned, they had turned away from him with no remorse. And yet God's love continued to chase after them over and over and over again. And one of the things that I want to get into your spirit, into your heart, and into your mind today is the faithfulness of God. Because when we start understanding the faithfulness in God, it will start changing us from the inside out where all of a sudden we take on a new faithfulness. Because we're experiencing his faithfulness. God continued to chase after them, even after they rejected his love. Hosea 6, 4 says, O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asked the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears 
like the dew in the sunlight. No faithfulness. When a society becomes successful and forgets that their success comes from God, then they become a society that is ungrateful and unfaithful. We begin to believe that all the results that are happening in our life are the results because of our work instead of what God's blessings in our life. Hosea 13.4 says, I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me, for there is no other Savior. The people of Israel wouldn't acknowledge God, and therefore they walked away from God's hand of protection. You see, God is faithful, but it's the result of our unfaithfulness that will remove his protection from our life. So I'm going to say it again. Because we, we always blame God for everything. Maybe you don't. I shouldn't say that all. We have a tendency, some have a tendency, let me put it that way, to blame God for things. But it's not because of his unfaithfulness. It's because of our unfaithfulness. We walked away from his protection because we are no longer serving him. We literally step outside of the boundaries of his protection. He allows us to have free will to choose. But guess what? Those consequences have choices. Many times we believe God has abandoned us when in reality we've abandoned God. Back to his story. The story hasn't ended there. The story continues to a place that God's love and faithfulness is so great that he goes and chases after her and restores her. It's a part of the story with with, uh, Hosea and Gomer where Hosea goes after and buys Gomer back out of the prostitution to be his wife. I want to share with you today that God is faithful. Even when you're not faithful, he will not leave you. If you're wondering where God is, is, where God is, let me tell you, he's with you. Just turn around. He's right there. Sometimes all we need to do is turn around. Pastor Tom, what do you mean? Turn from your sin and follow after Jesus. Turn around and watch what takes place in your life. Be faithful to God and see what takes place. Hosea gives a final appeal in in chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord and say to him, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. What God has done for our lives is absolutely amazing, and it's because of his faithfulness. When he made a promise, he was unwilling to break that promise, and he kept that promise, no matter how unfaithful we have been. The promise of sending a Savior is available to each and every one of us today. His name is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. He is faithful. That gift is, remains faithful through all, all eternity. That gift is faithful for our lives, if we are, or we are willing to embrace that gift. Let me leave you with some final thoughts today about faithfulness. The first thing I want to share before I even get to those final thoughts, God will always remain faithful. And think about this. It's our faithfulness that will be the measurement of our success. It's not God's faithfulness. Many times we think, man, I wish God would just bless me more here or bless me more here. We, we try to measure our life by God's faithfulness. But it's our faithfulness to God that will be the measurement of our success in our life. Let me leave you this final thought today about faithfulness. First thing I want to share with you is this. Faithfulness is believing without physically seeing. 
That's what faithfulness is. It's believing without the ability to physically see sometimes. Throughout the Bible, we see men and women of God who saw past the physical, saw past the physical difficulties, and they started seeing with spiritual eyes that were given to them by God. It requires faith and obedience. Think about the thought. Noah built an ark and never had experienced rain or storm. Talk about seeing something that you can't see physically, but you can see it spiritually because God all of a sudden dropped it in your heart, and you follow in faithfulness to build an ark for a flood that you've never seen before. Faithfulness. Think about the Old Testament believers in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 10. It says they died in their faith. What does that mean? They died before Jesus was born. They died before the Savior came. They died in their faith expecting and believing that it would still happen in their life even after death. They died in their faith. Talk about seeing something that beyond the physical. Second thing I want to share with you. Faithfulness is obeying no matter the difficulties. It's choosing to obey God's voice even if it seems like it leads us down a difficult path. Abraham heard the voice of God. It's never easy to choose to leave something, leave home and go somewhere else. But if God is calling you, you need to do it. Now, every time I've said this, I have a mass exiting from my church because people all of a sudden think their God's calling them somewhere else. Make sure God's calling you. Talk to your pastor first, okay? I'll set you straight. But in reality, if God is calling you, even if it seems difficult, when Nanette and I made a choice to move to Vegas to help plant a church, that was a huge decision for our lives. We were moving away from our family, from our home, everything. We bought a home sight unseen. Anybody ever done that? Have you ever bought a home and the first time you experience it, when you actually walk into your home and you, with your U-Haul? That's what we did. We were, fa- we were walking in faith, trusting God, believing because God had called us. And we're saying, and I was dragging my feet. Don't think that I'm all that in a bag of chips. I dragged my feet for a year going through that process. But God taught me something through that process. Abraham and his family were blessed because they obeyed God even when it was difficult. Third, faithfulness is giving when there is little to give. If you want to experience what faithfulness is, all of a sudden you see a need. Maybe it's a neighbor or maybe there's someone, and all of a sudden you see a need and you don't have money, but you feel God all of a sudden just telling you, you need to give, you need to help that situation. There's a story in the Bible about Elijah who came up to a woman and her son, and he said, I'm hungry, I need food. And they were down to their very last meal. And basically, she ended up blessing the prophet of God. She took the very last meal that they had, and they cooked it up for him. And got out of her poverty, she gave, and God blessed, her, blessed them abundantly because she was faithful even when she had little. Faithful to give. Last thought I want to share with you is this. Faithfulness is persevering even if you, don't, even if you feel like giving up. Anybody ever feel like giving up around? At, come on, just be honest. Yeah, you're, yeah it's not it's okay. You didn't. Praise God. But sometimes faithfulness is persevering even if you feel like giving up. There are times in our lives it's like, oh, man, why am I even doing this? But faith perseveres. 
it doesn't give up. It keeps moving forward. When Job faced extreme difficulties, he remained faithful to God. Even when he lost all of his possessions, he lost all of his children, guess what? He remained faithful to God. Even when his, when his wife told him, curse God and die, what a wonderful woman. Thank you, babe, for never saying those words to me. <laughs> Appreciate that. I'm glad I don't wake up in the morning. Tom, just curse God and die. He remained faithful. Even when his best friends came to him and accused him of sin. What evil have you done, Job? Guess what? He remained faithful. And I, you gotta, you got to know there was times. In fact, it says it in Scripture. Where Job managed to just take me home, God. It's over. Take me home. Deliver me from my, my this horrible thing that's happened in my life. But he remained faithful. Even through the most difficult situations. I was thinking about it as I was preparing this message. And I started thinking about it. Job surrendered his faith to God. And it's just a thought for you to grab a hold of. Because God says that we all have been given a measure of faith. And some of the greatest things in my life have happened when it's not my faith that's going to bring me through. It's that I've surrendered my faith to God. And all of a sudden, there's a faith and a trust mixture that all of a sudden starts to happen in my life. And I just say, man, God, no matter what takes place, my faith is in you. No matter what the circumstances might look like, my faith is in you. No matter if I die tomorrow, my faith is in you. Faithfulness. Job shared these words in Job 42 too. He says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. He knew who this God was. There are times in your life where you might feel like giving up, but if you persevere in faith, God is faithful. Job remained faithful to God and God restored everything that he had lost. And I declare to you today that living faithfully will impact your life and change your life for all of eternity. It will change your life today. It will change your life in the future while you're living on this earth. And it will change your life for eternity if you choose to remain faithful. No matter the current circumstances you might be in. I'm declaring here today that faithfulness to God will bring you through. It will. It will reverse your current situation in a positive direction. Pastor Tom, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't care. I know who my God is. I just do. I know who he is. He will reverse the situation that you're in. You might be walking through a divorce right now. You might be walking through a job change right now. You might be walking through lies that people are telling about you right now. Whatever it might be, I'm telling you, you could make a choice and go down the, the worldly choice of all of a sudden trying to defend yourself, trying to fight for yourself, trying to do all those things. Or you could step and surrender your faith to God and say, God, I believe in you and I trust in you. And I believe that you're going to bring me through this thing. I have faith in you. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that you can reverse around what's, what, what the enemy is trying to take away from me. God, you can take back and bring it back into restoration. The greatest test of your faith is not when everything is going hunky-dory. When everything is great. In fact, 
that's when most times we slip into a, a lackadaisical attitude and all of a sudden we get in trouble. The greatest test of our faith is when we face difficulties and troubles and struggles. And the Bible says that in those struggles, it, we, when we persevere, our faith grows stronger. We become stronger for it when we choose to persevere. In fact, it says that we should celebrate when all of a sudden we see troubles. We should get excited about it. I haven't got there quite yet, but I'm getting there. I'm going to arrive one of these days where all of a sudden troubles come by. Oh, God's got something. But what happens if we were a church that way? What happens if we really believed that? When all of a sudden troubles and difficulties came our way? Oh, my goodness. Instead of responding in fear, oh, my goodness. You have the faith to know that God's going to turn that thing around. Oh, my goodness. God's, going to have, God's got something great. He's going to do something. I can feel it. I wouldn't be facing these difficulties without God. I know that God's going to take whatever the enemy is trying to do. He's going to return it around. One amen. Thank you. Boy, my spirit just hit me. If you want that kind of faithfulness, where you can make a choice when all of a sudden difficulties came your way, instead of responding in fear or in a negative pattern, you would respond in faith and trust and believing in God, then you need to say amen for that. Do you want to respond that way? How many would like that type of faithfulness? Some of you are going to grab it pretty soon. See, I loved what Brett was sharing earlier. Friday they went down to the Orange County Rescue Mission. These guys and gals have been rescued from a life that was sending them down a road that probably would eventually end in death. And when they entered the room and they started to worship, they said, it's such a powerful feeling, Pastor Tom, because they're so grateful for what God is doing. Let's add that to the list. Faithfulness is being grateful to God. It's being grateful to God for what he's doing in our life. And all of a sudden he said, they worship with passion because it was all about what God was doing in their life. I challenge you, allow faithfulness to be everything in your life. How will you choose to respond today? When life gives you lemons, choose to respond with faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that you are great. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. There is nothing that takes you by surprise. Lord, we declare to you today that we love you. And Lord, we desire, I'm declaring over our church, that we desire to follow after you in every area of our life. We thank you for your faithfulness. Today, with heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment, if you're here today and you just need prayer over a situation, if you're facing a difficulty and you know it's going to be challenging, and you're already struggling with some fear in your life. If you Pastor Tom, I just need the faithfulness to believe that God is going to answer and overcome that situation. If you're here today and you just need that prayer, I want you to raise your hand real high. Awesome. I know some of the hands that are raised right now because I'm already praying for some of you. I know the situation's already. I'm already praying. Now, let's believe that God can do the miracle. Amen? Pray with me in faith, in Jesus' name. Lord God.
we surrender the difficulties and the problems that we might face, and we surrender them to, them, them to you, Lord. We ask, Lord God, your word says, great is thy faithfulness. God, I pray that our faithfulness will believe in you, that you can overcome any situation, that you will bring us through all situations, Lord God. We will come to the other side being stronger than ever before because we recognize your goodness, your grace, your faithfulness in this situation. I pray, God, right now in Jesus' name that you would turn around whatever might be happening in people's lives. Lord God, if it's, if it's divorce, God, I pray that whatever is happening, God, it will be turned around in Jesus' name. If it's the loss of employment, Lord God, that you will turn that around or open up a new door of employment in Jesus' name. Lord God, if it has based on friendships, God, you will give wisdom, Lord God, and you'll turn that around in Jesus' name. God, we surrender our difficulties, our problems, our troubles to you, and we enter into faithfulness today, the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the God of the impossible. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, God good? He is good. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.